where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Shears podcast. I'm James. And I'm John. And what an episode. We got Crane on the brain. Yes, definitely, because we are reviewing and talking about The Crane Mutiny, Season 6, Episode 5. It's uh, named after a film, isn't it? A film? A film. (laughs) (laughs) And what film is that, James? The Crane Mutiny, starring Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey B. (laughs) And is that Kane with an I? Yeah, like Michael. And uh, this episode is written by David Angel and directed by James Burroughs. Aired on the 29th of October, 1987. And I tell you what, James, I love a good Crane episode. I do too. I'm surprised, though, that they didn't go for a spookier episode. Uh, for, for Halloween? Yeah. Uh, you know, can't always appease the, uh, the the ghouls out there. We've done the spooky. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there's a, it's a scary situation for Fraser in this episode. Oh, he is... Uh... In trouble. And of course, uh, if we're talking about Fraser, we get Bibi Neweth uh, returning. Of course she does, yes. Fraser's girlfriend and puzzle cue. Yeah, you can't, I can't forget those puzzle cues. I suppose that's enough intro to let the listeners know that this is a good episode. It is a good episode, but the cold open, which has nought to do with Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Woody. He's been looking for a new apartment. I didn't know that. Yeah, and he's found one, which is nice. It's been alluded to that he's had issues with his apartment, but we didn't really know he was looking for a new one. Well, good news all around because he has found one uh, and he starts to describe where it is. The rest of the gang realise he is uh, living in Chinatown. Slap bang in the middle of Chinatown. And Woody hasn't clocked it yet. Did there seem to be a lot of Chinese restaurants around? Yeah, I guess so. a lot of uh, signs hanging hither and yon in Chinese Yeah, come to think of it. Yeah, lots of Chinese people walking around the street, I thought. Yeah, but that could just be a coincidence, you know? I'd love to live in Chinatown, I think. Yeah, I'd be all right with it. By the sounds of it, as we move into the episode a little bit further, we find out that Woody's landlady, called Mrs. Chung, and she's been teaching him a bit of Chinese. Which is nice. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good place to live to me. My Chinese is limited. And so is Woody, so that's convenient. He's learning a word a day, and he says that the trick is to naturally put them into conversation. And he misunderstands thinking it put it into conversation with English speakers. Yeah, he's like very forcefully putting it into conversation as well. Doesn't work at all. (laughs) What I love about this cold open is that in the revelation that... He may be in Chinatown. He went, what? I'll have to call my landlady about this. And he rings it and goes, hi, Mrs. Chung. (laughs) He's a good egg. As we move through the episode, we do get the arrival of uh, someone coming to the bar. It's none other than uh, Bobby, who's delivering the pretzels, James. Uh, Someone Uh, who I'm I'm sure you're excited to see. Bobby the pretzel guy. (laughs) Yes. The mystery is finally solved where they've all been coming from. Nom knows a guy. It's a pretzel (laughs) guy. Yeah. No, I want to see Bobby return. Yeah, I think he brings a good energy to the bar and good snacks. Well, beyond the snacks, he's also uh, taking deliveries. And Sam places an order for, I think, is it four or five boxes? Sam gets overruled as Rebecca enters the bar and says that Sam doesn't have the authority to order pretzels anymore. It's her bar. She's the manager. She orders a grand total of five boxes and upstages Sam by one. It's like a game of poker, James. Four pretzel boxes? That's insane. I'll raise your one. It's, the stakes are high. 
she's clearly not a good manager because she would know if four boxes of pretzels have been delivered. And we know Norm loves pretzels. If four boxes have been delivered and that's enough to sustain the norm, then <laughs> the norm, I like yeah, that. Then uh, ordering a surplus box is just spending money unnecessarily. Bad financial planning. Yeah. But end up stocking up extra pretzels. They'll top up each time. You'll have an influx of pretzels and uh, you'll have too many pretzels on your hand. Yeah. That's not a good situation. No. Actually, maybe it is. I'd be up for that, actually. Well, Second I- thoughts, good management. <laughs> have you heard of, um? I forgot which airline it was, but they wanted to reduce cost on uh, fuel emissions. So what they did was they removed one olive from everyone's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, that uh, reduced the weight of the plane in a way that no one noticed. <laughs> yeah, and it's an economy of scales. You do that to every person on every plane. Yeah, exactly. You're saving a lot of olives and you're saving a lot of fuel. Yep, because the weight. <laughs> because of the weight, John. <laughs> Did you say olives? Did olives. I make up olives? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I said olives. I just I just laugh at someone going, hmm, we need to we need to reduce the weight of the plane. And one guy going, olives! <laughs> Plain people are sneaky. <laughs> That's your takeaway. Plain first, people are sneaky. First it's an olive, then it's your whole damn lunch, James. No bread. Then it's your seat. Just strap you to, to your bag. Completely nice segue into uh, to the rest of the episode. Um, because Mr. Crane, Dr. Crane, I should say, enters the bar. He does. Oh, him and Elith, they be fighting. Yeah, he's a bit, of a bit down in the dumps, I guess. And it's because... Lilith wants Fraser to propose. And he's hesitant. But you know what? She's got vocabulary. She's got knees. She can propose. If she if she's <laughs> if she's if she's so adamant. She's got knees, she can propose. <laughs> I think I see why the argument happened now. <laughs> propose to me. You got knees. Uh, but Sam's sort of approach is it's sort of a matter of time. Just do it. Well, yeah, he's learned that from last season, hasn't he? Yeah, that's true. Can't stretch this out to five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds a bit sort of uh, serious, to be honest. Apparently, Lilith threw a chair at him. Yeah, and they got nice chairs. So, you know, it won't be your garden furniture, which is quite light and it could be battered away. Mm. They've got quite nice chairs at, at their apartment. I'm talking oak, John. <laughs> and uh, well, the, the thing which Fraser doesn't like is he doesn't like to be uh, given an ultimatum or blackmailed, essentially. Uh, emotionally blackmailed, I should say, into proposing. And this is where the setup kind of comes in because Fraser then contemplates how he, he says he's still young and he's not ready to settle down uh, and much of the same with that. And he picks up the ears of uh, some of the rest of the bar. I'll tell you what, he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Which part's he lying about? <laughs> uh, well, he, he proposed to Diane just a mere two seasons ago. So saying he's not ready to settle down, uh, it's... His thoughts on Lilith specifically. Though if dinner at eightish taught us anything, it's that maybe his relationship with Diane has made him wary of commitment. Oh, he's definitely grew as a character. He's not convinced. He did have a bit of a wild time in one episode, I seem to remember. He had a bit of a fling. But for good old Frage, as, as he's called <laughs> to his friends, he becomes the victim of a prank in this episode a little bit. Yeah, and I think Cliff and Norm may have gone a bit too far this episode. Yeah, and I, I think... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Cliff is definitely the instigator here, uh, because he kind of uh, coerces, I think is probably a good word to say, coerces hmm. Fraser into uh, thinking that there's uh, something between him and Rebecca. 
Well, there's not. Oh, there's definitely not. But I think we don't know Rebecca that well, but Rebecca clearly is attracted to successful men. And I'd say mm. Fraser is relatively successful. Uh, I think he's declined in success. <laughs> yes. I think when we first met him, he was quite well established, would you say? He was quite well educated and he uh, quite upper class, I guess. Now he seems to be a bit sort of uh, one of the lads. That snipe hunt changed him, James. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly agree with that. And it's, it's what we've talked about before. Cheers. The bar is a bad influence. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I never said it was a bad influence. It puts people in a state of arrested development to some regard. I'd say Norm and Cliff are key examples of this. Yeah, trapped in a bit of a limbo. Yeah. And I suppose that's what Fraser's scared of doing, actually moving forward with life. Mm. We're getting deep already, James. Let's get a bit shallower by talking about the prank they actually pull. They convince Fraser that Rebecca is interested in him and kind of uh, say that he shouldn't settle with Lilith because Rebecca's out there. There's lots of women out there uh, that would have Fraser. And what they do is when Rebecca is on the other side of the bar, Cliff does a little sort of catches her eye, trying to tell her that she's got something on her lip to try and get her to, to lick her lips at Fraser, which Fraser hook, line and sinker believes. I'll tell you what, there's plenty of fish in the sea for Fraser, but he is truly the, uh, the salmon in this situation. <laughs> I don't think they've ever communicated with each other before. Mm. Yet for some reason, Fraser thinks that she's being very direct. And also, I find it odd that they were like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, Fridge. If you look close enough, you'll see that she's uh, she's flirting with you. And then she makes a very overt gesture. And everyone in the bar would have seen said gesture. <laughs> so uh, he may be smart and a psychiatrist, but he lacks a bit of common sense, does that man? I feel like he's enjoying lapping it up, uh, the, the attention from the, the other people, though. Because Cliff very smoothly says, Rebecca likes the cut of your jib. Fraser returns the, the line with... A rather self-assured while the cranes always have been known for their jibs. I think it's a good time to talk about why he thinks uh, Lilith and him work as a couple and why he is considering commitment. And it's about how he's considered by Lilith beyond his intellect, which I thought was an interesting, if smutty, conversation. <laughs> yeah, ever since uh, abnormal psychology, they've been together. A weird sort of driving force between them which we've seen every now and then, but it's one thing which Fraser's never got elsewhere. Yeah, no, Diane just liked him for his, his big old brain. His big old brain and his trips to Italy. You sly, sly dog, Fraser. <laughs> but all of this puts Fraser in a somewhat of a dilemma, because he's unsure whether to uh, stick with Lilith or uh, take a chance on something new with Rebecca. I mean, I, other than relationships, I understand the appeal of trying something new, but no point with with relationships trying to go, well, I'll throw this all away on a, on a gamble. That's a selfish, stupid thing to do. <laughs> and we'll hold on to that sentiment as we move forward, as Fraser does a selfish, stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he follows sort of the peer pressure, I suppose, of the rest of the gang and uh, pursues Rebecca. But before he does, he leaves a note at his and Lilith's flat or home. Yeah, he said he wanted to talk to her in person, but felt that words could do it better uh, because he's chicken and cowardly and a fool, despite the fact that all he did was knock on Rebecca's office and essentially go, hello, <laughs> that, that, that's it. 
As for the toilet, yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as for the restroom, which is, I'll, I'll let you know, it's not a smooth line. It doesn't work. <laughs> and he, he's laid the note. He's put down the groundwork. Yeah, and uh, he returns to the bar, a sort of uh, com- confident that he's mm. going to woo Rebecca and uh, quite determinedly strides to her office again to knock on the door and try and uh, swoon her, I guess you'd say. Yes. He does open with the line, why do I f- suddenly feel as nervous as a schoolboy? Also, probably not a good opener. No, I don't know what good openers are, but I have a whole Rolodex of bad ones. <laughs> Rebecca does a Thanos to, to Scarlet Witch type interaction, doesn't she? <laughs> yes. Hello, Rebecca. Why do I suddenly feel nervous as a schoolboy? <laughs> Uh, well, let me let me come directly to the point by telling you that you couldn't have chosen a more opportune moment to declare your feelings. Let me assure you the feeling is mutual. I've just recently rid myself of an entanglement. And I find myself free to ask you if you'd like to join me for dinner. Who are you? And obviously the, the Avengers moment being, I have no idea who you are. And to this, uh, Fraser runs out of the bar. Woody says, uh, why are you leaving so soon, Dr. Crane? He says, I've got to convince the woman I love that I'm a complete ass. <laughs> it's, uh, Woody replies, good luck. It reminds me a lot of Job from Arrested Development. Just, I've made a ter- <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Before the first scene with Lilith of the episode, let's talk about the cast. Of course, Bibi Newith as Dr. Lilith Stonen. Ralph Peduto as Bobby, the pretzel guy. He also appeared in Hill Street Blues, Mrs. Doubtfire, Patch Adams, Monk, and many others. Tim Cunningham as Tim, Alan Coss as Alan, and Phil Perlman as Phil. Simple, simple cast list there. And of course, as you mentioned, the return of Bibi Newbeth, which means we get to see the apartment, Fraser and Lilith's home and apartment. It is an apartment, I think. Two-floor apartment, yeah. We see a flustered Fraser arrive uh, through the door, uh, and he's incredibly relieved to see that the letter has been untouched. And Lilith is there, almost waiting for him, but she seems chipper. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's pretty chipper about things. She's excited because uh, she says uh, she wanted to wait for Fraser to arrive to open the letter. Because she thought it was a present. Tickets and, to uh, a concert or something. Yeah, yeah. to a ballet or a symphony. Classic Fraser stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> his reply is very smooth, isn't it? He goes, oh, am I that predictable and then rips up the tickets or supposed tickets throws it in the air why would you do that well what else is he gonna do uh i'd put it in the sink <laughs> i'd burn it uh, <laughs> do you know what he calls it as he throws it in the air he says a bunch of seagulls or something. Uh, a flock of seagulls yeah i would have done the exact same thing and went it's snowing that's that's all i would do differently uh, when it said it's a flock of seagulls i just had the song i ran stuck in my head <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the episode, which is, of course, by the 80s band, A Flock of Seagulls. And maybe that's what Fraser will be doing later on, because... Uh... <laughs> he And he ran, he ran so far away. He ran, he ran all night and day. <laughs> because uh, his very smooth uh, ripping of all that paper and uh, very improv flock of seagulls was all in vain because uh, Lilith have already, already read his letter. She's no idiot. Nah, she's not an idiot. He goes, well, wasn't that fun? Anyway, let's have some wine. And uh, she throws it in his face because she's smarter than he is. And she quotes uh, something that he wrote, which was, we both need time to grow and develop as people. And then follows up with uh, a classy, classy follow-up, which I think we'll we'll play the quote for. (laughs) Yes, I 
read the letter, you licentious quack? And what facile tripe it is. We both need time to grow, to develop as people. Who is the slut? She's no slut. What's slut? Uh -huh. <laughs> Ooh, Lilith coming out with the harsh words there. Yeah, I feel like at this point in the episode, I feel really bad for what is unfolding because Cliff and Norm have set up this entanglement of webs of lies. Fraser's been a total idiot. And now it's just two, the three female characters seem like they're about to have a fight over Fraser. I was going to go, who's the other one? And of course it's Carla. She'll, she'll mm. fight. She loves fighting. <laughs> she's not, she's hasn't got a stake for this. She's, she doesn't care. She's going to be placing bets. <laughs> Too busy taking money. I think Lilith would win in the fight. So far, we've not seen Rebecca really angry about things. Mm -hmm. But Lilith has a healthy amount of spite in her. <laughs> but I, think, I do think at this point, it's, it just feels a bit of like a pretty scummy move on Fraser to do this. I mean, I can completely understand Lilith's point of view. And she picks up a piece of furniture to throw. And <laughs> goes, no, 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 the Royal Dalton. <laughs> I get why she's annoyed. I think what worsens it is the fact Fraser imbues this initial hope for a relationship and lies further and says that it was a relationship with Rebecca and uh, eventually gives the name Rebecca to Lilith, which, you know, uh, Fraser, he's a smart guy. He must kind of have some idea that this is not going to lead to a good scenario. He's not a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it... The more I watch Cheers, the more I go through it, the more and more I admire Lilith. She's no nonsense. Um, <laughs> but she, she's got a cheeky side, John. Oh, for sure. And uh, after this sort of argument with Fraser, she says that she's going to wander the streets aimlessly. <laughs> and then follows up with, I'll take my usual route. But of course, she's no mug. She's going to Cheers. Yeah. After Fraser goes, but why don't I calm you down with a lovely bubble bath? And she goes, mm, yes, yes, all right. Go on then, put the bubbles in that bath. <laughs> Off he goes. I mean, that's the subtext, isn't it? And she's like, ha ha ha, delightfully devilish, Lilith. And <laughs> then, then ventures off to Cheers. And her arrival at Cheers reminded me a little bit of, the, it was our, our least favourite episode to date, I think, James. And I think that will tell you what it is. Almost Sam gets shot in the butt. Reminded me a little bit of that episode because I could kind of picture Lilith drawing a gun out. Because <laughs> she arrives at Cheers with a lot of spite in her eyes. She does spite and a glint of hopelessness. And uh, she leads the conversation after she meets Rebecca. Let's loose with a, a sort of long... Quite heartfelt. Yeah, and she kind of says, Fraser's not that great. It's, it gives herself a disservice, really, you know? She's kind of sticking by Fraser, even though he's uh, just said he's done all this. Yeah, and uh, again, Rebecca just goes, who are you people? <laughs> and then Lilith very quickly realises that Fraser has lied through his teeth and is an idiot. They bond over their misandry, is that what you call it? Yeah, I think they, they, they bond very quickly, which is this, I'm glad that this happened because I thought the episode was going to go a different route. You thought it was going to be a cat fight, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to see that particularly. I thought it would be uh, a bit lazy to put both of these characters in that position. Yeah, and it would cheapen the, the emotional weight of it, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, what follows is far better because Frasier arrives at the bar after Rebecca and Lilith had talked. What follows is gourmet farce. <laughs> Fraser says to Lilith that uh, you don't need to talk to Rebecca kind of thing. He says that he'll stop it and it's all good and that they'll be together. Yes, yes. And Lilith goes, well, okay, but I want to see it happen. Otherwise, I won't believe you because she's a sly one. Yeah, she, she forces uh, Fraser through the office door to cut things off with Rebecca. 
it's almost like she pushes him through it and then almost like she's giving Rebecca a cheeky wink and a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, she says, I'm Lilith Sternin. You don't know me, but of course this man needs no introduction. He only needs a conscience. <laughs> Fraser has something he wants to say to you. Listen very carefully and do what you must do. Fraser falls at the first hurdle, though. <laughs> when, uh... Do you mean at the beginning of this episode or, or just in that conversation? In that conversation, because as soon as Rebecca says, well, I'll miss you, he goes, but you don't have to. Oh, come on, Fraser. <laughs> Jeez. He's, 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 he's as bad as Sam. I, I think he's really, like, he is on that level in this episode. He's a sleaze, so much sleaze. One thing that, well, two things I want to discuss. Prior to this, Rebecca and Lilith agreed to have lunch together. Mm. And this, I thought, sort of mirrored behind the scenes of the early season six in that when Kirstie Alley came into Cheers, there was obviously some apprehension about uh, this new person coming in for, let's face it, the romantic lead opposite Ted Danson. Mm. What Kirstie Alley did when she came in was she wore a blonde wig and an apron as a kind of joke. She knew that she'd be compared to Diane, so she did that to break the ice, and it worked. And people reached out and started having lunch with her, and Christy Alley even reached out to writer's assistants to have lunch with. And they were like, no, no, I can't be late back, I'll be fired. And Christy Alley was like, I'm the goddamn star. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to have lunch with me, you'll have lunch with me, I'll take the rap. And she did, which was nice. But it's certainly as evidence with this Lilith and Rebecca interaction. And we hypothesized this would happen, where Cheers would become a more ensemble show, Mm. season six onwards. And we're certainly seeing that both on the screen and behind the scenes. There seems to be a greater camaraderie because we didn't delve much into it. But in the latter end of season five, there was a certain tension towards Shelley Long. I mean, you say it was a, becoming an ensemble piece for this episode. We're five episodes in, and the last two episodes were a two-part, all about Carla, you know? It's been nice to, to see a variety in the show. Yeah, there's barely been a Sam and Rebecca episode. The closest was the first episode of the season, and mm. that was, yeah, barely touched on it. So yeah, it's refreshing, I think. And I suppose when we're talking about change, we can, we can come to the sort of end of this episode, because through all of this farce, uh, Frasier decides that the best thing he can do now at the moment is propose. That yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Lilith's response is a uh, not only classic Lilith, but a great Cheers line in of itself. This is obviously a ploy to get yourself out of the ridiculous situation you're in, and the answer is yes, my steed, yes. <laughs> what a way to end the episode, John. Yeah, I suppose a, a nice ending, and we we get to end with. Uh, of course, Norm and Cliff trying to maybe take the, the credit for this by singing Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match. Which is... Fiddler on the Roof, isn't it? Fiddler on the Roof, yeah. I uh, do that one. <laughs> I've, I've seen it, James. I've been on it. Oh, well, you've... Oh, oh one up to there. Always upstaging me. <laughs> not, not the film, obviously, but I was in a in stage production. Maybe I, Maybe I saw you, James. That would be quite a sort of... Uh, <laughs> quite a strange backstory to our friendship if that was the origin yeah, that's how did you meet I saw him in an off-Broadway show of uh, <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof and then 10 years later we did a podcast <laughs> it's canon until someone proves otherwise disprove it I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get the program out James I'll see a picture of you <laughs> <laughs> that's right we've got Cliff here to bring us back on track as he delivers some trivia mail and 
with some pretzels. Thanks, Cliff. You stole these from Bobby, didn't you, you mink? <laughs> Surplus of pretzels. We got four kegs of them. That's right, kegs. Not crates, <laughs> kegs. I can say what I want. As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. What is Chinese for doorknob? Oh, I don't know. Uh, no guesses. That is correct. You don't know. Woody says it's Muncho. Apparently, according to Google, it's actually Menbasho. Well, there's quite a lot of dialects of... Uh... Exactly. So I think the difference is probably due to the different dialects between, you know, Cantonese and Mandarin, for example. Yeah. So he's probably right in one of them. Yeah, close. <laughs> So, James, in this episode, as with all Lilith and Fraser episodes, we get an abundance of nicknames that they have for each other. Can you name a couple for me? Sugar pie, honey pot. <laughs> I just I just almost went into song there. <laughs> Can't help myself. Honey bear, is that one? Honey bear was in uh, the last one. We get uh, lots of new ones. We get Tootsie Roll, which is uh, what Lilith calls Fraser at one point. Fraser calls her Popsicle. Maybe because she's icy, I don't know. That's... Ooh. Not a not a very good name. When Fraser proposes he should run a bubble bath, she calls him Mr. Bubble. Does always cheer me up. And then, of course, uh, Lilith says that she has to say thank you, Conan, to cheer him up. Thank you, Conan. <laughs> oh, after the barbarian. Yes. <laughs> not not the talk show host. I, I would assume, yeah. <laughs> That's the last call at the bar, James. What an episode. I think how special. Obviously, an abundance of pretzels. Yeah, five crates of pretzels. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to sort of fathom. <laughs> Unfathomable amount of pretzels. <laughs> yeah, I really like this episode. I really like the Grain Mutiny. Why marks from me, you know? If you like an abundance of pretzels. Then we may have a particularly pretzel-themed recipe. I think it will probably something a sweet dessert because of all the sweet nicknames we've got so far. Yeah, so if you're, if you're in the inkling to make some pretzels, check over our Patreon because we have a newsletter which features a tasty recipe that you can try at home. Get your yeast ready. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new catchphrase on workshopping. So the amount of post-it notes I've got with uh, failed catchphrases is... <laughs> <laughs> And on that note... <laughs> on that note, yep, join us in, in making some pretzels as we toast off this episode. You know, it's a, it a good one. Lots of farce. Let's raise our pretzels, James. What do you want to raise them to? The proposal. That's one thing. To Rebecca settling in in cheers. She's got lunch with Lilith coming up. Wonder if we'll see that in an episode. I know I'd like to. Yeah. Until next time, this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. And thank you for listening.